um, the continuing story of the final days of Jesus, and we've been working our way through, and I'm looking forward to today's message. Before I get into that, um, I just want to say some of you are probably wondering where uh, Pastor Jeremiah is at. He is on vacation out of town with his family, and so we hope they have a wonderful time away. He'll be back next Sunday, so uh, they'll be gone all this week. They left yesterday, so um, pray that they have a wonderful time away. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 28, is our reading. And if you've um, missed the last couple Sundays, um, I was actually gone last Sunday in Minnesota with my mom. She had a cancer surgery, and I was with her. So two weeks ago today, we um, looked at the verses that lead, lead up to where we were today. And we left off very soon after the voice came from heaven. And there's three occasions in the ministry of Christ where a voice came from heaven. The first was when Jesus was baptized. At the very beginning point of his ministry, a voice came from heaven, said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The second time was when Peter, James, and John went up on a mountain with Jesus, and Jesus began to show them his glory. And um, Peter says, hey, let's make a, a tent for you and, and for Peter, or not for Peter, for Moses and for Elijah. And it's at that point that a voice broke out from heaven and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. This is the third time. And in this occasion, it was very public. Jesus is, the week, is, is in Jerusalem during the week of his crucifixion. And a couple of his disciples have come to him. It appears that he's teaching a number of people in the, in the text. But they've come with a question. And he gives a series of, of principles. And uh, he points them to himself. But he tells them he's going to die. And he says, I'm going to die. You should follow me. And then he says at the end, he says, Father, glorify your name. That's where we're going to pick up in our reading today. Father, glorify your name. That's verse 28, John chapter 12. If you're able to stand, stand for the reading. John 12, verse 28. And we'll read down to verse 41 today in the Gospel of John. John 12, verse 28. Father, glorify your name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world shall be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. He said this, signifying what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, The light is with you yet a little while. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come on you. For he who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. While you have light, Believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. Jesus spoke these things and departed and hid himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, they still did not believe in him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, 
he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes or understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. Isaiah said these things when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this portion of your word. We thank you for the truth that is in it. Give me grace and help, I pray, as I explain and as I preach the truths that are contained in this. Lord, we ask that your spirit would lead, that you would bless, that you would make these truths understood. Would you help people see the importance of these things? That this is not just optional or a nice little thought to help us uh, feel better in a challenging moment. But Lord, this is much more foundational. This is the basis of eternity and this is the foundation of our faith and I pray that you'll give grace and help to our time in your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've entitled the message today, The Light is About to Go Out. The Light is Going Out. And Jesus is saying here that this is the final moments. This is the final times. And I don't know if you've had a loved one or a family member that you love dearly who passed away suddenly They were in good health, they were in good uh, condition, and they were there one day and gone the next. There's nothing about Jesus physically that makes anyone think he's about to expire, okay? He's about 30 to 33 years old. He's in what a lot of people would call the prime of life. And so there's no physical reason that he should die. But he's been telling them that he's going to die. And he's there ministering, and a few days he is going to be dead. He's going to be in a grave. So... The people don't really accept this. They don't really embrace this fact. But for anyone who's had someone taken away suddenly, you know that idea of they were just here. They were just doing well. I was just listening to them and I was just thinking. And and, and so, you know, I hope you haven't had too many of those examples, but it is a very real example because Jesus is about to, to be off the scene. And so, In these final moments, he's saying some really important things. You know, if someone knows they're going to pass, they usually at least say something, you know, important. They don't usually say, how is the weather over in, you know, three states over, right? That's not usually people's parting words when they know they're about to pass. Jesus knows he's about to pass. And this text, this chapter is his final call to the public masses. It's his final word to all those that have gathered and the people that have interest in him and the people that are kind of listening And you know, just as it was back in this day, so it is today, there are some who are curious. There are some who are hearing the words of Jesus and they're hearing them from a place of interest. Um, They have maybe some questions or maybe they're just, they've heard some of the, the, the beliefs or the teachings of Jesus. And so they have an interest and they're kind of listening, but they don't really know if they have placed their full faith in Christ, if they have full confidence, if they've really come to a place of understanding. And Jesus in this text is trying to help people understand and to believe and to see. Now, let's uh, look together at verse 28. And first we see this voice from heaven. And we did cover this a little bit last week, but I I just want to pick up with it again. Because this voice is very important for what follows, okay? So the last part of Jesus' words, verse 28, Jesus says this, Father glorify your name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people who stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Notice this. 
that the voice from heaven comes down and it's very loud such that everyone hears it. Everyone hears the voice, but everyone does not understand what is being said. The text, the Bible text tells us what was said. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. But then in the next verse it says, it sounds like thunder. Well, I don't know, I've heard a lot of thunder in my life, and I've never heard any thunder that sounded like, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And what I'm understanding from my reading of the passage is that the voice came from heaven. Everyone knew there was a loud noise, there was a loud expression from the heavens above, but not everyone understood what was being said. Not everyone had a grasp on what was being put forth here. So this voice from heaven, notice it was not completely understood but it was very important. Some people are saying this is an angel speaking. Others saying this is thunder. But notice what Jesus says in verse 30. This voice did not come because of me, but for your sakes. Jesus is saying, you are the ones that are the intended recipients of this voice. Let's face it. Jesus was able to talk with his father anytime he wanted. Jesus was able to ask the father to glorify his name in private. In fact, in John 17, you can read and you can find Jesus praying privately. And and the Father, I'm sure, answered him. And so Jesus knew what the Father was saying. And the Father was hearing Jesus and they were having a private conversation. This is different. This is in public. And Jesus, at the end of this public explanation, says, Father, glorify your name. I believe he probably spoke up to heaven. And suddenly there was this loud response from the heavens. And Jesus says, this voice was for your sakes. This was for you to see that what I'm saying is true and that God does approve of me and that God has sent me and that I am the one that you are to listen to. And to us, we read it, and and maybe for us it's it's so simple and so clear. Man, can't you tell that that's unusual? Um, It's not every day that someone can cry out to heaven and have thunder come back in response. And not only to pair that up with the other miracles and all the other teachings and all that had led up to this point, but can you see that there is a battle going on for what people think about Jesus? There is a battle going on for what people think about Him. And there's God and there's the Scripture and there's the words of God that say, look to Jesus and be saved. Look to Him and believe. Place your faith in Him. And then there is this other side that says, well, we can't be too sure. And well, we don't really know exactly. And um, he was probably just a nice guy. Or even worse, it was he's a fraud and a phony. And there's this, this battle going on. And you would, think that, you would think that it wouldn't matter so much, right? I mean, do you ever hear people arguing in the street about whether Julius Caesar was a good ruler or a bad ruler? I mean... Do you ever hear people going on about other people in history and trying to determine, uh, you know, all the ins and outs? Most people just don't care. It's irrelevant. But for Jesus, He came with high claims. He came saying, I'm the Son of God. He came saying, I have the keys of death and hell. He came with such a, a different and a message that was so high and far above everything else that He has to be, you have to come to some conclusion about Jesus. And in these final moments, Jesus is pleading with the crowds. He is urging the crowds to take him seriously, to consider very carefully what he is saying. Now, in verse 30, 
1, Jesus goes further now and he starts to talk about what is going to be accomplished. What is going to happen? He had made reference to dying in the prior explanation, verse 23 through 28. He made reference to dying. He talked about the hour. It's a little bit more uh, fuzzy or not as specific, but he does say very specifically here how he is going to die in just a minute. And he's talking about what is happening right in this hour. Notice verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world shall be cast out. Jesus is saying, here comes the moment. Here comes the hour. And this is what's about to happen. This world is going to be judged. Now, this looks very backwards to what's about to happen. Jesus is going to be condemned. Jesus is going to be put on a cross. Jesus is going to die. And he says, the world is about to be condemned. Well, to the the human, the average onlooker, they'd say, well, actually, Jesus, you're about to be condemned. The world's going to go trucking on, and you're the one that's condemned. And he goes on to say that the prince of this world should be cast out. Well, the average person would say, no, Jesus, you're about to be cast out. You're going to be taken out, out of the city. You're going to be put on a cross and killed. But Jesus says, no, what's actually happening here is that this world is being judged. The prince of this world is being cast out. Jesus is saying this is a pivotal moment in history. This is a powerful, pivotal moment in history. And if, if, um, if you were with us for our Sunday afternoon services last uh, two weeks ago, we talked in Genesis 3. In fact, forgive me, uh, we didn't make it that far. We read the verse, but we're actually going to cover it today. Where there's a verse that says in Genesis 3.16, it says that the seed or the descendant of the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman or the descendant of the woman. But then it says, he will bruise your head. And that word bruise speaks of to crush. And we're going to talk about that today as well. But Jesus is saying that in this moment, he's crushing Satan. He's defeating Satan. And he calls him here the prince of this world. The prince of this world shall be cast out because of what happens on this cross. Jesus is saying this moment is pivotal. It's not a judgment of Jesus, it's the judgment of the world. It's not a defeat of Jesus, actually it's the defeat of Satan. And you know Satan would seek to have every lost soul condemned with him in hell for eternal punishment where he is. That's what Satan wants. And you know what happened on the cross? What happened on the cross is that the power of Satan was broken. And now through Christ we have forgiveness whereby our sins can be cleansed, where we can be made clean, and we can be received into heaven forever. You know what that is for Satan? That is losing. That's losing for him. And Jesus says this is the moment where Satan is defeated. This is a spiritual victory. If we're just looking at it through physical eyes, Jesus lost when he died on the cross. But if he rose from the tomb, if he broke the power of death, if he made a path for cleansing, then that means Jesus has won. Jesus has has declared victory. And that's what he says right here. He says this is is triumph. This is victory over evil. The triumph of the cross, I call this. Verse 32, he goes on to be specific. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. I will draw all men to me. This triumph of the cross involves a drawing 
of humanity. First, let's look at the first phrase, because that's what they really latch on to. He says, if I be lifted up from the earth. Jesus uses this phrase, lifted up from the earth. And when he was placed on the cross, he was lifted up off of the earth and placed into the the hole or the, the place where the cross was laid, and he was lifted up from the earth physically. But that phrase lifted up, it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a, a phrase that had a meaning. Maybe in our time, we would say um, someone was found swinging from a tree, okay? Well, if someone's found swinging from a tree, it doesn't mean that their hands are there and they're smiling and they're saying, I just like to swing from trees, right? That phrase swinging from a tree means you have a noose around your neck and you're dead. And so it is that that phrase lifted up is not just meaning that they're raised up off of the ground, but it was a phrase that meant they were crucified. The next verse says um, that he indicated his manner of death, verse 33. He said this signifying what death, what sort of death he would die. So Jesus is lifted up. And then he says, I will draw all men to me. Again, we have to try to put ourselves in this context a little bit. Jesus is saying that he's going to be crucified and then he's going to draw all men to himself. Sounds a little backwards, doesn't it? You know, it's kind of like saying to someone, I'm going to start a family after I swing from a tree. No, if you're swinging from a tree, you're not starting a family. It's too late then. You're dead. You're you're done. That's the end of the game. No, but Jesus says, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Really? How does that work? How is it that you're going to draw all people to you after you are lifted up on a cross? I want to talk about this drawing for a minute. This is really important. This idea of drawing and being lifted up. Both of these phrases are used prior. Hold your spot here and just go back a couple chapters to John 3. John 3 is uh, back on page 1010. John chapter 3. This is another time where Jesus talked about being lifted up. John chapter 3, verse 14. This is on page 1010, partway down in the middle there. John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus says there was a time where Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man should be lifted up. I find it very interesting that on the top of that post, was a snake, which is the same creature that Satan inhabited as he brought the first sin into the world. And so we have this emblem of sin put up on a, on a stake, and the people would look at it, and if they would look at it, they would be healed. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, another verse says in Isaiah. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And you know what happened the first time when, when the snakes came in and they bit people and people were dying? They would look to that snake and they would be healed. They would be cleansed of that poison in their body and they would be rescued. Well, Jesus says, in the same way, I'm going to be lifted up on a cross and people who look to me in faith will be forgiven. They will be cleansed. They will be healed, spiritually speaking. But then he says, I'm going to draw all men to myself. I'm going to draw all people to me. What does he mean by this? It's a little difficult because he says all men, right? All men. And now earlier in John 6, Jesus has said, no man can come to the Father except the Father draw him. And the word draw 
it can also be, it can use, be used positively in the sense of attract or kind of a, a bring in in a positive sense, but it can also be used in a lot more, <laughs> uh, uh, it's used of fishing, all right, dragging in the nets, right, dragging in the fishes. And sometimes people will read this passage and they'll say, well, how is it that all people are drawn to Jesus? Because I know some people and they, they don't like Jesus. They haven't been drawn to him, right? Have we, I think we've all probably met someone and they say, Jesus is not for me. I don't do Jesus. Um, not interested, right? We would say, well, they haven't been drawn to Jesus. Well, I might say they haven't been drawn to him yet because time has not ceased. And actually, I want us to remember verse 31 talks about judgment, doesn't it? Now is the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world shall be cast out. Some people read it and they say, all people will be saved. Well, we know that's not true because the Bible talks about that in plenty of other places. Those that don't believe will be cast into hell. And so we know it's not that all people will believe. Some people say, well, it means all sorts of people, Jews and Gentiles. Well, that might have some application because in context there were some Greeks that came to Jesus. But I actually think that this means that everyone will come to Jesus one way or another. They'll come to Him in faith or they'll come to Him in judgment. They'll come to Him in belief as His children or they'll come as His enemies defeated and to be cast into hell. Now that is a solemn word and I'm not just, I'm not just picking that out of my head. The Bible talks about the day. There's coming a day in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 where it says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's coming a day where all people show up before the Lord. They either show up at the great white throne in judgment, or they show up at the judgment seat of Christ to receive reward. But this is the truth of the Scripture. One day, one way or another, all people come to Jesus. There's no getting away from Him. And Jesus here is saying, look to me now. Look to me now. I'm about to be crucified. I'm about to be offered up. But in doing so, I'm defeating Satan. I'm judging this world. And so look to me and be saved. Receive me now. The scripture says that today is the day of salvation. Now some people, and, and it's a good application in a sense that we need to lift up Jesus. And some people quote this verse and they'll say, if you'll lift up Jesus in your preaching, people will come to faith. Well, I certainly believe that. But the next verse tells us what he meant by lifted up. What he meant by lifted up is die on a cross. Jesus should be exalted, absolutely. But in this passage, he's saying, if I am crucified, I will draw all people to myself. All men. I guess the question I have for all of us here is this. Have you come to Christ the way he wants you to? The Bible is very clear that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He does not take pleasure in the punishment of the wicked. Rather, the Bible says He offers grace upon grace and He's a merciful God that lays out forgiveness and says, come to Me and be forgiven and be cleansed. The Bible promises that you will come to Jesus one way or another. And my urging today is that you will come to Him in saving faith in full and free forgiveness. He was put on a cross. And He did not die for His own sin, but He died for the sin of the world. He died that we could be forgiven and cleansed. This is good news. This is great news. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to be lifted up, but that is not the end. That is not the end of my story. No, I'm going to draw all people to Myself. Do you know that His drawing work is even going on today? 
right now you are hearing this word of the gospel. And right now the Holy Spirit is calling out saying, will you believe? Will you receive? Will you take Christ as your forgiveness? Jesus is drawing people to Himself. And I wonder if there's someone in this room that's being drawn to salvation. Where deep in your heart you know that you are an enemy of God and you've broken His commands. And you haven't come to a point of faith. And you haven't received that full forgiveness that the Lord offers you. It takes a bold man to talk about what he's going to do after he's dead. But Jesus did. He said, I'll be crucified, and then I'm going to draw all people to myself. Now, in a sense, that was happening before through Israel, right? Even in Israel, God was trying to reach the nations. But here, Jesus is very specific that it would be directly through him. Israel would not be the access point to, to the Lord. It would be directly through Christ. And the people... And I can't, uh, it, it, as I read, I kind of agonize over this crowd because if you listen to what they say, they ask a question and they're all confused about this one point. And the one point is being lifted up. Verse 34, the people answered him, we have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? This is the confusion of the people. And the people are scratching their heads saying, wait a minute, you're talking about the Son of Man. We've read the Old Testament. We've read the law. And the law says that Jesus, this Messiah, will remain forever. So how is it that you can say that, that you're going to die? That, that doesn't really make sense. How is it that you're going to die? Well, let's remember a couple of verses, okay? Um, Daniel 7.14 says, And dominion and glory and a kingdom were given to him, so that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed, Daniel 7 14. Also, Psalm 110 4 says, The Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So there are several places that talk about the Messiah, and they talk about him being everlasting or eternal. And so these people are, are scratching their heads somewhat and they're saying, we thought the Son of Man was going to be permanent, was going to be forever. How is it that you can say that He will be lifted up? But if you think carefully about what He said, He said, I will be lifted up and then I will draw all men to Me. Right? He talked about doing something after that point. He, did, he, he indicated that His death was not the end. And today we stand with, the, with Jesus and we say His death was not the end of Him. It was the beginning of Him. And we go back to verse 24 and verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And we are part of the fruit of Jesus. We are the ones who have believed on Him. We are the fruit. We are those who have been drawn to Him in salvation. And so we see that there is more beyond, but the people, they're very confused about this being lifted up, this crucifixion. The people have a hard time with this. And you know their final question that we read in the passage is, who is this Son of Man? And they're basically saying, you, saw, you talk about this Son of Man, but who is this Son of Man? Who is this Son of Man who is going to be lifted up? There's this Son of Man, and then there's what we think Messiah is going to be, but they don't sound like the same. 
And so it is today that some people have an idea about Jesus, and then there's who Jesus really is, and they can't quite make the two fit. And I'm thankful that the Scripture is our guide. The Scripture is our, our clear pointing to who is Jesus. But Jesus responds, and He gives them a warning. And I want to give you this warning today as well. Verse 35, Then Jesus said to them, The light is with you yet a little while. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come on you. For he who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. I call this the final days of light. Jesus gives them a warning, and two times in these verses He says, while you have light. You know, if you're lost in a forest, but it's daytime, you're in a much better position than if you're lost in a forest and it's nighttime. And you might find yourself, hopefully none of us ever go without a cell phone or something, but if you find yourself lost in a forest and the light is starting to go out, you had better move. You had better make your plans. You had better make your shelter or make your path out or something because the light's going down. You don't want to be in the darkness in the middle of the wilderness without a plan. Jesus is telling them the light is about to go out here, meaning himself. He was about to die. And he says, you need to believe while you have me here. I am right here. You need to believe. You need to trust me because one day this will be gone. Now he says, lest darkness come on you. For he who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. For those of you that have been saved, you know this. Walking in darkness, not knowing what you're doing, not knowing where you're going. How many of us before we were saved, if someone asked us, do you know if you're going to heaven? We'd say, well, I, I don't know. Or we might say, I hope so, maybe so. And, and the scriptural picture of us is we're stumbling around in the dark. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that believes on me will not, uh, will not uh, perish, but will pass from death to life. I'm paraphrasing a couple of verses. But he says, I am the light of the world. But you know there's another verse that Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And in a moment, he was about to go out of the world. Now, who's the light of the world right now? Believers. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. We're the ones that share the message of Christ now. But he urges them, while you have light, believe in the light. And this is the final days of light. And can I just say that to have light is a privilege. To have light is, is grace. Jesus isn't obligated to continue to enlighten us as we ignore him. Salvation is responding to the offer of God. You know, the night I was saved, I was 12 years old, and the preacher preached a message about how you can say no to God. And he was clear about that. He says, you can say no to God, but this was the warning, he said. He says, God sometimes will take your answer and leave you alone. And that scared me. But you know what? That's exactly what Jesus is teaching in this text. He's saying you have the light now, but there's coming a day where darkness will be on you. Believe in the light now while you have the light because there's coming a day of darkness. He goes on, and the text goes on to explain this in action right here. Look at verse 37. But though he had done so many miracles before them, they still did not believe in him. Now, we might think, wow, that's amazing. That's so crazy. How is it they could see all those miracles and they did not believe in him? Well, let me ask you a question. Aren't there people today that 
have heard and, and read the record of Jesus' miracles and still don't believe in him? Yeah, there are. There's a lot of them. They saw them with their own eyes, but there's many that did not believe. Which reminds us of John 1.11. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Reminds us of, of John's ministry, John 10. And many came to him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spoke of this man were true. There's a very famous story that Jesus told about a man who is down in hell talking to Abraham. And this man is pleading with Abraham to send someone to go to his brothers. And he says, if you'll send someone to go, if someone is resurrected from the dead and will go and talk to them and tell them how to avoid this place of hell, they will believe. And you know what Abraham's answer is? Abraham answered and said this, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. If they will not receive the scripture, miracles will not overcome that. Jesus is pointing them to the truth. And even though he had done so many, many miracles, people did not believe him. And the verse 37 tells us this. And it goes on to say that Isaiah spoke of this sort of thing in his own day. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The implication is, who has believed? I'm not seeing much. Um, who has believed? Not very many, not much. And, and Isaiah had a ministry where he did a lot of preaching and teaching, and he had very, very few respond in belief. But notice verse 39. This is almost the most scary verse in the Bible, most scariest verse, verse 39. Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes or understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. Now that sounds a lot, that sounds pretty scary because it doesn't just say they didn't believe, it says they could not believe. That strikes some terror into my heart. And the Bible is teaching this, what I believe this truth right here is that Jesus is saying, you have light right now, take it seriously. Because if you don't, there will come a day where you can't believe. Now we know there's a day where we can't believe and that's after we're dead and gone, right? And when we're dead and gone and we're, we're in eternity, our, our decision is sealed. And this, is the, this life is the, the time where we must receive Christ. But the Bible here is talking about people who are living. This is not talking about dead people. And it's saying that they, in judgment, were given a darkness that they were given a confusion and they could not believe. Even though they lived, they could not believe. You say, Pastor John, I don't like, I don't like this teaching. This, this makes me uncomfortable. I think it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. How so? Because today is the day of salvation. This hour is the moment you need to believe and receive Christ. Don't play the game that says, oh, someday I'll come around. Someday I'll give it some time. There's coming a time where when a day comes, darkness comes. You say, well, I'm worried about this. Pastor John, I'm worried that maybe I've reached that point in my life. Well, let me say this. If you're worried about it, you don't seem too darkened. If you're concerned about it, you don't sound like the people being described here because it says they would not see and they would not understand, right? If you're worried about it, I would say this. Get it settled today. Come to Christ in faith today. Believe Him. Receive His work for your own soul. And be forgiven. Be cleansed. 
But we must be clear of this. Salvation is a response to the Lord's offer. You know, um, I know and, and I know sometimes it's a little bit picky with vocab and things, but um, occasionally I've had a, a person say of me or I've heard it said of others um, that Pastor John is the one who saved me. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, 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 totally incorrect, right? Because I don't save anyone, right? Who saves? The Lord saves. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that forgives us and rescues us. And this is great and wonderful news, but I want to remind us that it is a response to God's working. It's a response to God's offer. It's a response to God's drawing that's right here in the text. God is seeking sinners, and He is seeking an answer. And we do not have the privilege to just say, oh, I'll do it when I please. I'll do it whenever I like. No, today's the day. Here is this offer of salvation. Here is the light being offered to you. And so we must take action for Christ today in faith. What a warning this is for those who are already his children about how we treat lost folks, right? We need to recognize that they have an opportunity to be saved now, and we don't always know about the future. We don't know when people will pass away. We don't know when God will or will not convict in a heart. This is, this is a serious and somewhat troubling text, but I hope you can see why it's so important. We'll close with just looking at verse, verse 41. Verse 41 says, Isaiah said these things when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Notice that word glory. Isaiah saw his glory. Well, this is in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he was, said, who will go for us? A great evangelism text. And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And so God sends him forth to send this message. But he warns him there will be a resistance to this, his message. There will be a rejection of it. And there will be some that will not believe. But I want us to see that Isaiah saw his glory. And I want to remind us that John, who is the writer of this book, saw the glory of Jesus when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I want to remind us of what Jesus said in verse 32, I will draw all men to me. And there's coming a day where the glory of Christ will be known by all, by everyone. The, the Bible says the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The Bible tells us that, that all, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what does this mean about all this? Well, what it means is Isaiah saw his glory, John saw his glory, and you by faith need to see that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is glorified, that His death was not the end, but it was the beginning, and that His death was the defeat of Satan. And here's the thing. Some people, they, they struggle to come to faith, and, and, and it's as though they say, I must do better. I must try harder. I must um, make myself good enough for God. And this is precisely 100% backwards. Completely backwards. Because the scripture says that we come to Christ in humility and he is the one that rescues us. We don't rescue ourselves. He saves us. We don't save ourselves. And we come in our sinfulness because he offers the cleansing. We come to him in our weakness because he is the God of power. We come to this God of glory full of shame as well it should be. And, and the Bible says that if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And I urge you today, if you are 
being drawn by the Lord, respond to Him today. Respond in faith and say, I believe Lord Jesus. I believe He died for me. I believe I'm a sinner and I know He can cleanse me. The Bible says He defeated Satan. So He has power over Satan. The Bible says He will judge the world, but I believe He will forgive me. He will cleanse me. This is the joyous good news of the Gospel. There was a day that I believed this. I said it's true. He died for me. It's true. He is the Son of God. It's true. He lives from the dead. And He's my answer for sin. Oh, what a good day that was for me. And if you've been born again, you have that good day for you. I hope each of you can say, I know I have believed. And I've been drawn to Him in saving faith. (laughs) And I'll stand before Him as His child, not His enemy. I'll stand before Him forgiven because He died for my sins. This is the good news of the Gospel. I urge you with one, one final thought. Today is being offered. Don't assume about tomorrow. Let's bow our heads in prayer. We have our time of response here, and this is ultimately between you and God, but we do have people ready to help you if you have a question. If you don't understand, maybe you're burdened, you don't know what to do. But simply put, Jesus is the answer for your sin. You need to believe Him and receive Him. And my hope and my heart for each person here is that you would know Christ in forgiveness and in full salvation. I just want to ask, if you're here and you say, I have come to a point of faith. I know I believed on Christ. I know I've been forgiven. There was a time where I received Him and I know that I'm forgiven and one day I'll stand before Him as His child. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and you say, I know I have that for myself. I know that that's my story. Looking left, looking right. You can put them down. I know not everyone could raise their hand, and I appreciate you being so honest. There's nothing more important than this message. If you're here today and you say, Pastor John, I am am concerned about my soul, and I want to speak with someone as soon as possible to help, help me make this decision, to help me understand whatever it is I'm missing, but I need to know that Christ is mine and that I'm forgiven. Is there anyone that says, I want to speak with someone very soon? I need to talk with someone. This is urgent. Would you raise your hand? We'll speak with you after the service. We'll talk with you. We'll help you know that you've been saved. Looking left, looking right. I want to speak with someone today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. Lord, you've promised that all people will be drawn to you. And we believe this. We know that your death was not the end. Lord, we know that it was the beginning. Lord, I'm a piece of that fruit. You died, you went into the ground, you came out. And years, thousands of years later, I believe you. Others here have that same faith. We pray if there's anyone that's unsure, if anyone's unsettled, that they would come to that point of personal faith. I pray that they will take it seriously and not assume that tomorrow will always be theirs. We praise you. We love you. We lift you up as the true Savior. We look forward to the time of fellowship, to what is next, to our next service. Bless each one. Help us as we go out from here. Meet the needs we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. 330 is our closing song today. 330. Uh, Let's.